I'm, I am excited to be here. David asked me to do a duet sermon. Um, I don't usually sing in public. <laughs> and uh, there's a reason for that. Um, he also said I'm the straight guy, so I'll just leave that with you. I don't, I don't. You have a PhD in U.S. history? I do, I do. I, I grew up listening to Jerry Clower. Okay, all right. <laughs> oh! Yeah, there you go. All right. I'm from, Miss I'm from Mississippi. Well, there it is. And I know, uh, I, uh, yeah, all those, Clower, all those Clower folks. Yeah, good, good, good. That's, uh, that's, that's home folks. Um, I'm pleased to be, I'm really excited. I'm pleased to be here, and uh, it's always uh, a privilege to, to share in worship. And it's a privilege to share um, not only the way in which God is working in our lives. And I can see from just my, my short time here, I've, I've talked to Jerry and I've spoken with Marlene and I've known, I've heard about the things that are going on here, but to see that is just really wonderful, a wonderful thing. Um, and, it, and it's good to be here. So um, let's start with a prayer. Um, Gracious God, you use our words in many different ways, but we trust your word, the word made flesh in Jesus Christ. As we focus on that this time, let us hear what you would have us know and, and do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, last week, as y'all lit the Advent candle, you lit the candle of hope. And... Um, there was the words of the prophet Isaiah that were shared. The people have walked in darkness and have seen a great light. They have dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, but upon them the light has shone. And we are in a season when the days are getting shorter and the darkness is, is, is gathering around us sooner uh, rather than we, than we want it to. And we are aware of, of how that plays with our minds. Um, and yet there is a way in which um, we walk by faith through our hope into, into the future. A lot of times people talk about having faith and um, sometimes they speak of getting faith as, a, as, a, as, a, as if faith is acquired. Um, I'm not sure exactly if we can get faith, if we can purchase it. I think faith comes to us. It is a, it is a gift that is, that is there. Sometimes we find it along the way. Sometimes it comes to us in revelation. Um, sometimes it's like a dump truck that backs up on us and just buries us with, with good stuff. But faith is a gift, I think. It's a gift from God that we discover um, in our own way. And when David shared with me that this was going to be the story of faith and we were going to talk about Mary's story about that, I, I had to think about that. I, I wondered about that. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, Mary, Mary's story and, and, uh, and I have an interesting um, his, issue. I'll state the obvious to begin with. First of all, I'm a guy, okay? And Mary's a woman, a young woman, and Mary's story has a, a lot of power to it. You know, um, we live in the day post Me Too, 
And I don't know about y'all, but a couple of years ago I was listening to, I had the, the streaming on and listening to Christmas music and Oh Baby It's Cold Outside came on. Have you ever listened to the words? And then Santa Baby came on. It was like, mm, yeah. It's part of our culture, it's part of our life, but sometimes it kind of gives me pause. And I have to acknowledge that there have been times and places and people that I have known in places where I've been where I have excused things that were really not um, excusable, where people should have been held accountable. And when I hear Mary's story in Luke 1, I realize how much I do not know, yet I see that as a way of living in faith. Mary's response, Mary's way of living in faith was, was that. But what is faith? Is there a simple definition for it? You may have your own, but I think the verses from Scripture in Hebrews um, 11, verses 1 and 2, uh, give us that. Faith is the assurance, one translation of that is this, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. By faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Hmm. What is seen, what we know, was made from that which is not visible. Faith is not something new. It is something that our ancestors gave to us. There were people centuries ago who began laying faith. There were people 25, 30 years ago who had a vision for a place called Macklin Presbyterian Church, what became Macklin Presbyterian Church. We are connected. That was an act of faith, for sure. We see the world differently because of faith. Not everything is material. The, the world of God's creation calls us to see us and to see what is not here. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Sounds like a lot of uh, the Gospels, what the Gospel says about Mary encountering Luke 1, is about that. The faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. But what does it mean to have faith and assurance in our time? You know, you may know some of the old hymns. I grew up as a Southern Baptist in Mississippi. Whole other story. But I grew up, uh, you know, singing songs, hymns, and, and I still sing them from time to time. Blessed Assurance, you know, that's one of them. Another one that comes to mind is How Firm a Foundation. But today, for today, here we are in December of 2019, what would assurance look like? David? You yeah, know what, thanks. That, what that might look like for us today? Um, assurance is something that, knowing where, where Joel was leading and that I was going to get tagged, um, I, I think one of the things that is different for youth growing up today is they didn't 
when, when I was coming along, we didn't know the word anxiety. We knew the word fear, but we didn't know this, this general anxiousness that you didn't know what it was about. And so I wrestled with what it means to be assured. Um, and it's different than being sure. When I was in Nashville and we were sitting on a front porch, we did for a while, I spent a year with singers and songwriters and we would go to barns and bars and porches. And at Christmas, I had gone to another church and they did chestnuts roasting on the open fire and I was offended because it was a Christmas song, not a Jesus song. And then I went and we were sitting on the front porch and a child that had never been to church, we were asking, well, what Christmas songs do you want to sing to this little eight-year-old? And she said, Rudolph the Green-Nosed Reindeer. And so I found myself singing Rudolph the Green-Nosed Reindeer, which seemed wrong on so many levels. Assurance is not that sureness that is if the world changes around you. Assurance comes from outside. And so when we look at Mary and we think about it, she had assurance, not certainty. She had assurance that whatever was going to happen. Now, this is a pregnant teenager in a world where nobody else gets the message. It's okay that you can be publicly called by God and everybody knows it and God puts a stamp on you that you're the king of Israel. But when you're told you're the chosen one but nobody else is going to know, you have to have some major assurance that comes from outside yourself to be able to go forward with it. You have to have some major assurance of this thing's hope for so that she can say, yes, I will be part of this story. She had to have some major assurance that whatever this crazy life was going to be, with God was going to be better than without God, no matter how much conformity and how much certainty. And so as we sang the carols today, and, 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 and Carol and I talked about it, and I'm still thinking about the march of the soldiers and how beautiful it was, but it's, to try and tie it all together, I have to say, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. But along with hope and faith and peace and joy and love, we ought to light the candle of being uncomfortable. Because what Mary does is a revolution. Because this is a male-dominated world, and the first person who gets the good news, the real person who's going to be the character in the story, is a young girl. And if you don't that's the foreshadowing of what is to come. That's the foreshadowing of what's going to happen. It's going to be a young girl who is so powerful in this role that it changes everything. So what, you know what this is, right? Chess pieces. Uh, in the year 600-ish, 500, 600, when they invented chess, there was no queen. And so they played for a couple hundred years without a queen. But because of the powerful queens that came into being over that time, they added the most powerful piece on the board who could move as she chose, knocking down anyone who got in her way. It wasn't that they wanted to make sure that the, the female piece on the board was the most powerful. And you know, kings come and go. You just protect your king. They don't really drive the game. But because of the powerful women, they added and changed the game. Mary comes, chosen by God, and it's just the beginning of how that game is changing. 
And so in some ways, by singing songs that are not normally hymns, they are because we said so. Because we have joy that the world can't take away. And when I describe Macklin compared to other churches, I just say, hey, what you need to know about Macklin is there's a party going on, and they get real upset if you mess it up. <laughs> and it takes assurance today to be able to take news from God and even a calling from God that may even bring you back from the dead without being a little nervous about it. But Mary knew or was confident that those assurance of things hoped for were going to be better than what she would have known otherwise. Cool. Assurance, not certainty. That'll preach. That'll preach. A dog will hunt. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. Um, you know, another thing out of that Hebrews verse is um, faith is the assurance of things uh, hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There's a lot of stuff in the world we can't see. You know, um, anybody had an x-ray lately? <laughs> you know, we can't see what's inside of us. But you go and you get an x-ray or an MRI or one of those other, you know, scans they do. And there's a picture that they show you there. Um, anybody have uh, one of these around? Um, you know, sometimes they ring. Less often these days than not. But, you know, and we can talk to people. Or we can communicate with people on the other side of the world. I just had a... a conversation uh, over the weekend, over Friday and Saturday, I had a conversation with my college roommate who lives in Japan, you know. And when I was growing up, if you talked to anybody that was in the next county, it was a long distance phone call, which would cost a lot of money. And here I am talking to Gary, not talking, but, you know, tech, doing that stuff. There's a lot of stuff that we can't see, but my gosh, it is real. It is really real. The candle of faith is real. Faith isn't seen, but we see what it does. We see the impact that it has in the world. Uh, let me tell you a story about my, my father. He was a physician. Um, he was a Christian. Uh, ended up being a Presbyterian, but started out as a Baptist. Okay, that happens. Um, and he did a lot of a lot of, of volunteer medical work. He did it in his local community, and he took some overseas trips to hospitals and that sort of thing. Um, in church settings, he would talk about faith. He would talk about his trips. He would do things. But he didn't do a lot of that around the hospital. He didn't do that so much at the clinic. My father began his medical practice when, a, when an older doctor uh, hired him, basically. Had him come into his practice. And, and uh, the older doctor was, uh, was, a, was a character. Um, was a curmudgeon, really. Um, he had grown up in a church, but um, he, you know, he didn't have much need for church. And um, 
he thought my dad was kind of crazy for going to Africa on a medical mission trip, but, you know, my dad just said, I'm going, and he did. Years later, this older doctor retired. Um, years later, he calls my dad up and he says, Joe, I want to talk to you. And so my dad went and they met, and he said, I want to talk to you about, about this faith stuff about this Jesus stuff. He wanted to know who Jesus was. He had heard about Jesus all his life. And, he, and my dad said, why'd you call me? You know, why don't you call a preacher? <laughs> and he says, well, you didn't talk about Jesus a lot, but I saw what you did. And I want to know what's going on with it. We don't see faith so often in a billboard or that sort of stuff, but we see it and we know it. You know it? My thoughts and response are, if you go to a doctor that just tells you what's wrong with you, that's not the best doctor. Because a doctor who only tells you about illness is not really helping you get to where you need to be. What you want from your doctor, what a really healthy doctor does, is he tells you what health looks like. And he gets you to being healthy. If you go to your friends and you only talk about what's wrong, you don't talk about what health looks like, then you're only going to focus on what's wrong until you fix that and find something else that's wrong. If you go to people who just have a vision for the world, they complain about it. But without a vision for what it can be, then you're missing it. Dad had, went to Africa because he had a vision of what health looked like and that people deserved to have the opportunity for health. They had an op deserved to be well. There's a story in Turkey that is the women were so frustrated in, in Turkey that they went uh, over to King Solomon because they want an answer to this question. How come men get to have a bunch of wives and women get to have one husband? <laughs> One husband's and no, he didn't say that. <laughs> Solomon, being very wise, didn't answer right away. And he thought for a moment and then said, only God knows. Ask God. So they did. They wrote a note to God and they put it on the leg of a bird and they sent it up in the air. And the tradition is, is that any time a bird lands on the windowsill, they would say, Haberes buenos, which sounds like Spanish, but that's because I don't know turkey, Ian. <laughs> but it, it means good news, or news good, question mark. It means are you bringing an answer to why the role of women is like this in a male-dominated world? And Mary, the good news has come. And it's just the beginning, because if you look at what happened, just look at the bookends of the story. The first person to get the, the news, really get the news, is a teenage girl. And when Jesus rises from the dead and is risen from the dead, the first people to get the news is the women. It's a different day. Get ready to be uncomfortable. What you thought was the status quo is no more. And yes, if you pay attention to the story and you read it through the Gospels, you'll see this is what Jesus has been doing all along. 
Jesus created a new phrase, daughter of Abraham. See, it used to be that there were sons of Abraham and you were connected to Abraham as a woman through your man, whether it be your daddy or your husband. That's how you got to be a part king. But Jesus said, nah, you're a daughter of Abraham. You don't need him. That'll get you killed. There is a passage in Luke, which I copied. Soon afterwards, Jesus, Luke 8, went through the cities and the villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided from them out of their resources. The women were the providers that made this happen. The women were listed as disciples. Yes, four gospels, male names, tell us of twelve disciples, though... They couldn't figure out who the 12 were and get their names wrong. The followers of Jesus included women. In the early church, women received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. They headed house churches. They were co-workers. They were jailed like the men. They were called apostles, disciples, and deacons. Paul even cited a woman named Phoebe who governed over him. So... Paul even wrote, in Christ, the barriers are gone away. No longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. So when we have the assurance of things hoped for, it's not just for our lives. In fact, if it's just our lives, we miss it. It's for the world. And that's how you can overcome your anxiety. That's how you can overcome your lack of being sure. It's to trust that God's vision is being worked out. And that you ought to be unsettled. You ought to be uncomfortable. Because then you know something's going on. And then may we be like Mary. And say, may it be as you have dreamed. May your dreams be our dreams. And the world won't be able to stay the same. So look out. Here we come. Let us pray. God, whether older like Abram and Sarah or young like Mary, may we all go where you point and help us to dream of a world for all your children. And may the violence, whether passive or aggressive, be no match for the love. That's why we've come. That's why we've gathered. We lift our voices, praying as we were taught, saying, Our Father, Father who Lord art in heaven, heaven Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.